to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Sometimes, <laughs> I was trying to get it out a second ago, and I couldn't even get it out, but sometimes wisdom is knowing when to hush. <laughs> and if you can't feel the presence of God, just please, just close your eyes. He's here. He's here. He, he messed me up there on the floor. And uh, thank you guys so much for your obedience leading us deep into the, into the temple. Austin and I have been teaching our youth about the tabernacle the last few weeks and about how to, to go deep into the Holy of Holies. And um, you guys that are part of the youth team, what the worship team just did there is they took us deep. They took us deep. Learn from that. Learn from that. That is, I want to give honor to that. That is, that is awesome. Whew. We can go home if you all want to. <laughs> can everybody hear me? Y'all bear with me. This is actually my first time uh, preaching in a room like this. And it doesn't matter that we have 30 people or 100, or if you're by yourself, the presence of God can come and meet you. And that's my prayer tonight is that somebody, multiple people, get to have face-to-face encounter with the one we're singing about. Um, If this is your first time visiting Redemption, we are so grateful that you chose. Yeah, let's give it up for them. We are so grateful that you chose to stop in and visit with us tonight, and I know that we've got an online audience as well, and there's a a good chance Beth's Blessings is watching as well. Yeah, let's give it up for those girls. And girls, I'm speaking directly to you. We cannot wait to have you back. So whenever this craziness ends, we cannot wait to see you back, but we know God can touch you right where you're at tonight. All right, let's get right into it. Um, The title for my sermon tonight is First Love. First Love. Everybody say First Love. And this is a phrase, not my phrase, this is a phrase that is in the Bible. And we're going to dive into what all that means. But before I begin to, to preach this sermon, I want us to look at three questions. And throughout the night, I want you to think about these three questions and see if maybe any of them pertain to you. Number one, what is first love? If I were to ask you one-on-one, if you were sitting in a room with me and I said, what do you think first love is? I want you to think about how you might respond to that. And number two, got it, Andy? Number two, how do I become blind to Jesus? How do I lose sight of Him in my own life? And number three, how did I get to a place in my life where I took my eyes off Him to begin with? And we do it, don't we? We find ourselves in these seasons where it's like, I just don't see Him. I just don't hear Him. And we're going to try to figure out, well, how how did we get there? Okay, so these three questions, and I know number two and number three sound similar, but I want you to chew on these throughout my message. Bow your heads with us and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here already, but Lord, we know that that Jesus wants to break in. That's his heart. He's always wanting to break in a room 
and break in people's hearts. And so tonight, as I, as I speak, Lord, make these words not mine but yours. Because the best thing that could happen tonight is people to forget about me up here and just get lost in looking at Jesus. And so, Lord, just come in and you have permission to do anything that you want to do. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. There are many places throughout the Bible that we could turn to first look at first love or the absence of having first love in our life. But we're actually going to start at the very end of the Bible. So if you'd like to uh, join with me, we usually stand here. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 for the reading of the Word. Now as you're turning there, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, some of you may notice in some of your Bibles, this could be written in red. And there's a reason for that. It's because this is coming from the mouth of Jesus. And to give you a little context before I read this, uh, Jesus has appeared to John the disciple on the island of Patmos, and he says, write this letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Okay, and the, the church that we're going to focus on tonight is the church of Ephesus. If you're there, say first love. All right. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is Jesus talking. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. Focus right now, whatever you're doing. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. Or each other as you did at first. You don't love me. Or each other as you did at first. Look at how far that you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from among the churches. You guys can be seated. I feel it in the room. It's humbling, isn't it? This comes from the mouth of the very one we sing to. And I just read this out of the NLT which is my personal Bible. But I actually want to read another translation. I'm going to read out of the New King James at verse 4 again. This is what it says in the New King James Version. Nevertheless, I have this against you, Ephesus. You have left your first love. Friends, these, these words come straight from his mouth, right? So here we have the church of Ephesus that Jesus is speaking directly to. And let's first focus on what they did right. Okay, because they did a lot right. Number one, they worked extremely hard for the Lord. They labored in pain as a church. Have we labored in pain as a church before? Yet they continued pressing on. They patiently endured persecution. Have you been persecuted? And yet they didn't grow weary. Now I know for me, if I'm getting persecuted... I would say it's pretty easy to grow weary of it and grow tired of it, right? But they didn't do that. Now, I don't know about you, but all of those sound like pretty good things to be said about a church, right? 
Number two, they had good doctrine. They had good theology. Well, how do you know that? Because they could pick out who was false and who were true teachers of the gospel. And in order to do that, you got to know the scriptures. And once again, sounds something sounds like something pretty good to be said about a church. Number three, they stayed away from sinful people. The Bible says they actually wouldn't even tolerate them. They wouldn't live like them. Now, guys, I've went over some things that sound pretty good. When I read this, I'm like, wow, seems like they had a lot going for them. But what if Jesus was saying this directly to you in your life? Ted, come up here for a second. Can we give it up for Ted? It's just awesome. So for this illustration, I'm going to play the role of Jesus for just a second. And I'm going to speak directly to my good friend Ted. Are you ready? But I want you to put yourself in his shoes as I'm talking. Ted, you work extremely hard for me, don't you? Try to. You even suffer for me, but yet you keep pushing forward and you don't grow tired of your work for me. Ted, you read your Bible sometimes, don't you? You seem, to, you seem to have a solid doctrine. You seem to have good theology. I mean, man, you can, you can sniff out those people who aren't true. Oh, and this one. You don't live like sinful people. You don't even tolerate their lifestyle. Sounds pretty good, right? But Ted, I have this against you. You've left loving me. You've left your first love. And Ted, if you don't repent and come back to me and do what you did at first, I'm going to have to come and take away your influence. I'm going to have to come and take away what you have. Well, it's powerful, isn't it? When you put yourself here and you don't just read over it. He's saying this to real people. Thanks, Ted. You know, as I read this, and Ted and I were talking earlier, do you remember what it was like when you got saved? And it didn't matter who you talked to. You could be at a family meal with people that you know don't love the Lord. And yet you're just ready to tell everybody, guess what, I got saved and baptized this week at church. Oh, it was awesome. Or what about when you opened up the Bible after you got saved and you'd be reading through the genealogies and you'd begin to cry and you didn't even know why? Oh, come back to the things you did at first. Oh, man. But what did Jesus tell them? I have this against you. You've left loving me. You've left your first love. Friends, Jesus doesn't play around with this. If he doesn't get our entire heart in this relational exchange, then he doesn't get what he came to the earth to die for. You may think, you may think, well, if I give 70% of my heart to Jesus, I'm good. What about 80%? What about 90%? What about, I'll serve the Lord for six days, but on that seventh day, that day's mine. That means I can say whatever I want to on Instagram on that seventh day. No. I'm a math teacher. Here's the equation. First love equals your entire heart. 
That's it. There's nothing else. And your entire heart unto him. Will you pull up that quote, Andy? G. Campbell Morgan was an evangelist years ago, and this is what he said. And I want you to think about this quote. No amount of activity in the king's service will make up for the neglect of the king. Any service that does not issue out of first love is not recognized by God. I'm going to read that again and let that soak in. No amount of activity in the king's service will make up for neglecting Jesus. doesn't matter what you do. Any service that does not come out of this place first will not be recognized by the Father. The next example of first love we're going to look at actually comes from the very beginning of the Bible. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to summarize to you what happened. So Adam and Eve, right? We've heard those names. They had two children who were born, two boys, Cain and Abel, right? And this is what the Bible says. Abel kept the flocks of sheep and goats. He raised livestock. And Cain cultivated the ground, which means he grew vegetables and he grew fruit. And in the course of time, both boys brought their own offering to the Lord. I'm sure you're dying to know what's under here. So both boys bring the Lord their own offering. Okay? And Cain went through the fields just grabbing some fruit because that's what he grew. And he threw them together and he brought the Lord a fruit basket. But not Abel. Abel looked through his flock and he found a perfect sacrifice. One that did not have a blemish, one that was a year old, and he brought it to the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord was thrilled with this, and he actually accepted it, and he had high praise for it. But for this offering, for Cain's offering, he didn't accept it. He didn't accept it. And of course, this made Cain very angry. He accepted his brothers and not his. (sighs) And this is what the Lord said to him. Why are you so angry? And why are you so annoyed? If you do well and do what is acceptable to me, will you not be accepted? Chew on that for a second. Previously, we talked about first love in the last book of the Bible. And now we're in the first book of the Bible. And even though they're in totally different places, it's the same message. It's the message of first love, right? Jesus does not play around with this. In the story, God accepted one boy's offering, but He rejected the other. Why? Ask yourself, why? Which boy gave God His best? Which boy gave God his best. Why are you so angry? And why are you so annoyed? If you do well and do what is acceptable to me, will I not accept you? Translation, Cain, if you will just give me your whole heart, do you think I'll turn you down? No. But if you just give me your scraps, (laughs) I can't break in. It's a house with no empty rooms, right? Come and fill every room, every closet of me. 
Now, we know that faith comes by hearing. If you heard me, touch your ear. Faith comes by hearing, and that's present tense, Romans 10, 17. And we also know that one boy brought a blood offering, which all the way back in Genesis 4 is speaking of the one who would come, who would pay the atonement. All the way back in Genesis 4. And the blood is always speaking a better word, right? And Cain just brought a fruit basket. Now remember what I said. Faith comes by hearing. Question. Who told Abel to do this? Who told him? You may say, I bet Adam and Eve did. Doesn't say it in the Scriptures. Who told him? Who told Abel, Abel, when you bring an offering to the Lord, don't just pick a random goat, one that's got a broke leg. When you bring an offering to the Lord, Abel, it's got to be your best. And who told Cain, when you bring a fruit offering, just pick some random grapes. doesn't matter if there's worms in it, blemishes. Just bring whatever. Or is it possible... That it was a personal conviction in their heart. Is it possible that they were hearing their heart, or one boy was and one boy wasn't, and Abel knew deep in his heart, when I bring the Lord my sacrifice, it's got to be costly. It's got to cost me something. I don't care what other people think. I don't care if I look foolish. Oh man, I feel that. And if Cain had that conviction in his heart, he didn't seem to listen to it, did he? First love, friends, is always a choice. It's a choice of your heart. And Hebrews 11 says that by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. It was faith that was pleasing to God. I now want to take... And I know I'm jumping around a lot, but it's important. I want to take a look at two women in the Gospels who were around Jesus during His ministry. And maybe you've heard of these two. Mary and Martha, they were sisters. And they were the sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus famously, after four days, raised from the dead. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus comes to Bethany, and He stops at the home of these sisters, Mary and Martha. And the story says that as Jesus was sitting there, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and continually listened to His teaching, holding on to every word. But Martha was a different story. Martha was very busy, distracted with her serving responsibilities. She was preparing a meal for Jesus Himself. And the Bible says she was busy and distracted with serving. Question. Or actually, let me say what uh, Martha come to the Lord and said. Lord, is it no concern to you that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Tell her to get up and do her part. (laughs) And this is what the Lord said to Martha. I can see it now. Jesus is sitting there and Martha's just sweeping around him. Lord, tell my sister to get up and quit being lazy and help her do her part. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many little things, but only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen it. 
She's chosen the good part, and it's to her advantage, and it will not be taken away from her. Those are not my words. That's what it says in the Bible. What jumps out at me in this story? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and continually listening and holding on to every word. Translation, the Lord Jesus is in their house for supper. Now I want you to imagine this. If I told you tomorrow, Jesus is coming to your house to eat a meal at 6 o'clock, He'll be at your table. I think you would probably be a little nervous, right? But what did Mary do? She got lost. She got lost in seeing His face. (laughs) Just continually listening to every word not worried about any distractions. Martha has the same scene. She has Jesus right in front of her in her midst. And she couldn't even slow her heart down for one second to see Him. You may say to me, yeah, but she had conversation with Him. She never saw Him. She never saw Him. And the only talking that she did to the Lord was to complain about how he was doing his job and to complain about her own sister. (laughs) Oh man, I feel this. It's funny how in theory, you can actually be serving the Lord and actually never slow your heart down to see Him. Oh, I hope somebody heard me. I hope somebody heard me. You can be cooking a meal for Jesus and never even acknowledge His presence standing in front of you. (laughs) You see, I fully believe, I'm confident that Martha loved Jesus and believed in Him. But she relates to so many of us sometimes, doesn't she? It's so easy to be doing things, sometimes even things for the Lord. (laughs) Cleaning for the Lord. Cooking for the Lord. But her heart was not at peace. She was anxious, aggravated, complaining, in such a hurry. In a hurry to do what? Miss out on the very one standing in front of her. Oh man. To miss out on the sweet presence of Jesus. And friend, I wasn't planning on saying this, you can do the same thing tonight. You can be right in this room where He is just here and miss Him. Because you're worried about so many little things. Maybe they didn't play the songs I liked. Maybe I've got other plans that I'm missing. Oh, but you can just stop and see Him. (laughs) And when our hearts are like that, like Martha, busy, distracted, in a hurry, isn't it easy to attack people around you? Especially those doing things that we don't even understand. Martha didn't understand her sister was at a place that she knew nothing about. Man. But one thing is necessary, and your sister Mary has found it. It's to her advantage, and I'm not going to stop it. He didn't answer Martha harshly, did he? What did he do? He gave Martha an invitation. The same invitations for you right now. The best thing that you could do as I finish this is for you to close your eyes and refix your gaze right now on Jesus' face. 
and forget that I'm even here because He's here. Now we fast forward a few months down the road and we're in John chapter 12. And Lazarus has just been raised from the dead after four days. You can imagine what the scene was. And Jesus comes back to Bethany, comes back to the same house of Mary and Martha, and they're preparing a meal for him. And Martha was serving as usual. And Lazarus is reclining with Jesus after he had been raised from the dead. And this is what happened. Mary walks in. And I'm sure she had a box just like this one. And she gets out a bottle of perfume. Now, I brought Crisco, which obviously was not what she had. But she brings in this bottle, and the Bible says that it cost an entire year's paycheck. Can you imagine that? $30,000. And she pours it out on Jesus' feet, and then she takes her hair and wipes His feet. As you can imagine, fragrance fills the room. Worship fills the room. Couldn't get away from it. And you know what's funny? Immediately it offended some people. Doesn't extravagant worship offend some people's hearts? Man, and Judas, Judas of all people, the one who should have been silent, criticizes her and says, this is wasteful. <laughs> he didn't even understand. What kind of love do you think was in Mary's heart? I just told you two stories about her. Do you think Jesus was her everything? Do you think Jesus was worth more to her than a year's wages, her paycheck? Do you think Jesus was worth more to her than the opinions of the others around her? Do you think Jesus was more important to Mary than even the thoughts of her own sister? Man, I think the world has enough Marthas. I think what Jesus wants is more Marys. So I want to make this practical before we leave. If you're taking notes, it would be a good time to write this down. These are not mine. I heard this. I want to give you four ways, four ways that you can examine your heart to know, do I have first love for Jesus? And here they are. Number one, is Andy back there? Nobody else and nothing else captivates your heart like Him. What does that mean? That means the secret place, whether at your house or whether in your car. Being alone with the Lord, nothing else is important as spending time with Him. Okay? Number two, time with Him is more important to you than time with anything or anybody else. And I promise you, you can ask people who do this, when you get alone with the Lord, you'll hear a little voice say, how long are you going to stay here? Don't you have stuff to do? Don't you have plans? Every time. So what does it mean to have first love? It means this, Jesus, I'm willing to stay right here just like Mary and sit at your feet and listen to your words. My schedule can wait. Number three, His words mean more to you than the words of other people. 
That means what he says about you in here and what he says about you in the secret place. And they are both so important. The Bible says that the Lord has more good thoughts about you than the grains of sand. Have you ever been to the beach? Pick up one handful of sand and watch them all slip through your fingers and think, the Lord has more good thoughts about Alex than what I have in my hand. And number four, His desires mean more to you than your own desires. And if you're not in the secret place, you won't have to worry about doing this one because He does something in here when we're alone with Him. And all of a sudden, His desires will start to become yours. Guys, it's been a crazy time the last few months. I mean, I wrote this message preparing to preach it before quarantine. And I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to talk on? He said, the time's now for this. First love is a topic that is so important to Him. And why is it important to the Father? Why is it important to Jesus? Oh, we read it on bumper stickers, don't we? Refrigerators. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only. (laughs) He gave His one and only Son so that everyone and anyone who would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. God gave you His best and so in the exchange... He's just asking for yours. Friend, you don't have to complicate it. What is my best? Just come to Him and say, here I am. You can have all of me. You can have all of me. And the last thing I'm going to say before we close, I was praying about this sermon. And while I was in prayer, the the Lord showed me a scene. And as I'm describing this scene, I want you to imagine it. He showed me a house, looked like the American dream. Showed me a house with a picket fence around it. And I saw the backyard with a swimming pool and I saw a grill. And smoke was coming off the grill and you could almost smell the hamburgers and hot dogs. And I saw people kind of jumping in and out of the pool and running around enjoying each other's company, enjoying each other's fellowship. And then we we went into the kitchen and I saw in the corner a big stack of birthday gifts. About that tall. And then I saw a long rectangular table with a cake on it, a birthday cake with candles. And people are all in the house. And then all of a sudden, everybody got the call to come in. It's time to sing happy birthday, right? And everybody gathered around the table. And at the very end of the table was the birthday boy's chair. And as everybody lit the candles and were around the table and began to sing, there was a problem. Something was missing. And all of a sudden, I saw the front of the house and I saw Jesus all by Himself standing at the door knocking. He was knocking. And the Lord didn't have to tell me what this meant. In the midst of everybody setting up this party and even getting ready to sing to Him, they didn't even bother to say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, come in. You're the whole reason that we're here. Break in. 
friend, may that scene not be said about us at the end of our road that we didn't get a chance or we didn't take the step to just let him in. So right now, if you know and you have that knocking at your heart that I've never given my whole, my whole heart to Jesus, right now is your chance. It's not hard. All you got to do is give Him your yes. And in just a second, I'll invite you to come down to this altar to be born again, to know what it's like to live with real peace and real joy and be forgiven of your sin. And the other group of people that I'm extending an invitation to, and I was there this week, are people who relate a lot to Martha. You believe in the Lord and you love Him, but my, how we have just got distracted by life. How far we've fallen. So if that's you too, come. It's open. And just like the story of the prodigal son, he'll put a robe on you and a ring on your finger. If that's you, come. for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music and leave us a rating and review while you're there. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemptionky.